We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wednesday evening on The Score, hour number two. Coming at you, Anthony Heron. On 670, the score. Got my guy Studs, Adam Studzinski, holding it down on the ones and twos, as well as Cesar Perez, helping us out throughout the evening also. So the cast of characters there at the Score Hyundai Studios continues to grow. It's always nice to see that taking place. I was trying to trying to figure out, Studs, in the commercial break, you were assisting me a bit because I, I was going to keep uh, the football discussion rolling anyway, and I just I kind of surfed social media real quick and, and noticed at least on, on my timeline where it had sports trending Jay Cutler. Like, well, wait a minute. What is Jay Cutler making news for at this moment? Then it did pop into my head that I, that I had heard somewhere that Jay Cutler is going through a, a divorce from – his his wife, or I don't know if it's former wife yet, and I suppose they're still married until the divorce is final. So his wife, Kristen Cavallari, they're going through a divorce right now. Uh, so I was just trying to confirm, uh, and so you you got into your your research bag, and so can can you confirm is that why Jay Cutler is trending specifically yes. because of his divorce? Yes. So a, a specific point of the divorce seems to have come up with Jay wanting half of the value of. Uncommon James, which is Kristen's company that she started, the Un- brand Uncommon company. Yeah, jeans. Uncommon jeans? James. So they do jeans. like jewelry and stuff like that. I'm not overly familiar with it. I only okay. know anything about it from the brief period that I watched the reality show <laughs> with them. With uh, that was very Cavallari. Cavallari. Yeah, or? very Cavallari. Ah, and really, the only yeah. reason I watched yeah, is because Jay was in it. I was close. Yeah, Very yeah. cavalier. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, the, you know, it was appointment television because Jay was in it and he was awesome in it. But anyway. Right. Uh, so it looks like, yeah, Jay is saying that he wants half of that. And Kristen is saying that she doesn't know anything from that business to Jay because she funded the business, which, oh, it sells jewelry, clothing, and home goods. So now, there you go. Never, I never. I have very little comprehension. Like my, my impression is that there's like multiple Kardashians who are billionaires and I, I don't I don't understand why that is. So I don't like is Kristen Cavallari is she is she richer? Like does she have a higher net worth than I, Jay? Like cuz Jay made over 100 mil in the league, right? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Jay, yeah. So I don't honestly I'm not overly familiar with Kristen's background. I think she was on some she might have been on Real World or something like that. I can't remember. She was on Is something. She old enough to have been on the Real World? Is that even no? Still maybe it on? wasn't Real World. I might be thinking of something else. She was on. Maybe it was Road Rules. I don't know. She was on the that hills. Might not come on anymore either. Caesar's the telling hills. me she was on the okay. hills. Okay. okay, which I didn't know. So I knew that she had some kind of background <laughs> in television mm-hmm. stardom, but I mean, really, it was I. From what I can tell, it was Jay funding. You know, Jay was the the breadwinner of the family. 
<laughs> up until he retired. And even then, you know, he made $100 million in the league. So, yeah. Uh-huh. They, so she was allowed, if I'm looking at this as objectively as I can, it seems as if she was allowed to do this business because she didn't really have to worry about anything else. But, you know, she did have the kids. She also had his kids and everything. So it's not like she wasn't doing nothing. That's true. Yeah. You know, she she actually... She was productive in some capacity in the marriage. That's easy enough to assume with multiple kids, apparently. But yeah, I, just, I wasn't even sure if the how comparable because I I knew with confidence Jay Cutler had made over a hundred mil in his time in the NFL, but I just have no idea. And so they're they're apparently sparring as I'm kind of surfing social media here, where she's basically saying Jay owes her money, and then Jay is kind of countering with no, you owe me money. Like you're talking about stuff where he wants half of her brand. I don't. I don't even know like half of a brand, what that exactly means. It's <laughs> well, like a you know, Ike and Tina scenario where Tina's like, I get to keep the name Ike. I don't want anything else from you. So is Jay trying to be like Jay Cavallari moving <laughs> forward? And then he gets to you know, still partake of whatever she's doing in the reality TV world. I'm not sure how that would all end up making any yeah, sense. I, I, don't, I don't know either. Well, it just seems awfully petty of both sides. I mean, Jay obviously doesn't need the money. <laughs> Kristen, I'm sure, doesn't need the money because you know because she did have uh, the background in, in TV, so it's like uh. she's got money, I'm sure. And so it just seems extraordinarily petty from both sides. Well, I mean, there was also the report when the couple first got divorced that Kristen wanted money from Jay to build a mansion oh. for herself to live in, and that was a whole thing. And Jay was just like, no. <laughs> and so yeah. yeah, it's the, it's man. it's a whole thing. The next amicable divorce I hear about will be the first amicable amicable divorce well, I that's hear about. Tr- that's true. Yeah. Yes, man. I, I got I got some buddies who have been going through that, and a couple who are currently going through that. It is a uh, it, it never. It seems to all turn into the War of the Roses, and this is a movie between uh, Studs and Cesar Perez. I know that is older than both of you. I'm I'm fairly sure. The movie came out in the '80s. It was Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. And I mean, you know, there's been several different versions of War of the Roses between, you know, film and television. But this was like the movie in the 80s, two of the biggest stars of that time in the 80s between Douglas and Turner. And it was just them initially, happy marriage, both successful people. And they just start going at it. I mean, like just it gets to the point where they're throwing things at each other. It's like. Uh, maybe Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the, the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie movie. Have you seen? I'm, I'm assuming you haven't seen War of the Roses. Have you seen I, Mr. I, and Mrs. Smith? I have not seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but I know the premise. Okay. So basically, like, if you rewound like 20 plus years, what we saw in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie have like assault rifles out and knives and everything in the house trying to take each other out, that was basically what happened in a couple of scenes in War of the Roses, just in a slightly more lighthearted and at times comedic fashion. Then Mr. and Mrs. Smith were like true action stars kind of doing their thing. But it seems like every divorce ends up going down that road in, in some way, shape, or form. So I guess best of luck to Jay Cutler and Kristen Cavallari, I suppose, because <laughs> uh, they're going to continue to be in the news about it because he's Jay and she's Kristen and, and folks folks like to be in other folks' business. Um, I should also mention real quick, I knew there was something that Kristen was in that I that I was trying to remember but couldn't. A texter tells me, reminded me, she was in Laguna Beach, which was like a teen reality show in the early 2000s, which I only saw a few times. And in right. fact, one time we were watching it, 
at a buddy's house and my buddy picks up the remote and goes, you know the best way to watch this show? And he puts it on mute, which was made the show significantly better. So that's how good that show was. <laughs> so just a lot of attractive people saying very annoying things. Yes. You'd rather look yes. at them than hear them. All right. I get the premise. I get the premise. feels like there's a, a lot of television shows that go down that, that similar fashion. Also, uh, we're a few minutes away from Napoleon Harris joining us. We're going to talk name, image, and likeness, and there's some news coming out of the National Football League that I, I want to sort of make folks aware of because there's, uh, there's issues that, that retired players like myself and, and especially vested, vested veterans who, you know, from the National Football League's perspective, every time the next collective bargaining agreement comes up, there tends to be not only the current players trying to get perhaps a bigger chunk of the, the revenue split with the league and, you know, things like the time on the practice field during the off season and how physical things can even be during training camp and the regular season. A lot of that ends up coming up. Um, but in addition to that, you have retired players. You have veterans who go through a lot of different things with their post-career benefits. And that ends up becoming an issue that, that it picks up a little bit of steam around CBA time and then people just sort of tend to forget about it for a while. And one issue that really just came to a head today with the National Football League is the payout in some of these uh, settlements for players that, that end up dealing with cognitive issues. In the last CBA that the NFL did with the NFLPA and some of the additional benefits that came in with retired players, one of those was that there would be additional funding available for players dealing with cognitive issues. This was, of course, coming off of a lot of the studies that were done about uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, known as CTE for short, and all those neurological problems that players had developed over years and how their lives were, were being hampered by it. And so there's a, a process that players go through to essentially, just like the system that was already in place for orthopedic issues and work comp settlements that players would get if they had you know horrible trauma to their neck and to their back and to their knees and things of that sort, now there was a system in place for players to be able to to get compensated if they had you know a diminished capacity neurologically if you know mentally they found themselves to be deficient in some manner that affected their daily lives basically so there's a system that was put in place uh in in concert with the last CBA where retired players could pursue compensation based off of dealing with cognitive issues the problem that ended up developing it's the same problem we see in so many different areas of medical care throughout society. It's something that, you know, I've discussed with other like other former teammates and, and players who've been through this. And I've been through it even just in the the orthopedic process of issues I've had with my knees and my back and trying to go through, um, you know, the, the NFL, and their, their line of duty disability benefits that they make available to players who've had you know some fairly traumatic issues come up before orthopedically this neurological end of it that's newer, the problem that ended up developing from the NFL was that as players went through trying to get approved for, you know, things that they had dealt with through bouts of concussions and, and feeling like brain trauma had it still at this point later in life it was having some sort of a dire effect on them. Former white players were getting benefits paid out in much higher volume than former black players and retired players from African-American backgrounds. And what ended up being found out was that they were using what's called race norming guidelines for how the, the medical personnel doing these evaluations were evaluating whether or not players should receive these cognitive benefits from the NFL. 
And essentially what race norming basically amounts to is that there were black players who started out with lower cognitive function. At least that was the evaluation that came from the NFL through this race norming system that was put in place in the medical field back in the 90s. And it basically came with this viewpoint that black people are cognitively deficient by comparison to white players. And so it became more difficult for black players to be approved for these neurological disability settlements from the NFL and to get you know any sort of payouts from the league to assist them by comparison to their white counterparts. So now there's a you know billion dollar concussion settlement that's in the process of being reviewed right now. Hopefully this is something that will that will sort of it's certainly not going to work itself out but that will get worked out between the NFL and the court systems because it is race norming was is something that is legitimately a part of the medical field from a cognitive perspective. But it's also something when you read studies and see, and certainly if you've got friends and family members who work in the medical field and who are doctors like I do, it's one of those things that's becoming more and more recognized throughout society that whether it's a former athlete or just anyone, when it, the studies have shown that when black people are at the, in a hospital or, or complaining about something with a doctor, some issue they're having, that the medical care for blacks and minorities tends to be different, tends to be diminished by comparison to the care that ends up being received by white people. And not necessarily even if it's like a, oh, you get a better hospital than someone else. I don't mean that. I mean that in whatever perception tends to be there has apparently been there over the years of whether or not someone needs a certain prescription or needs a certain test done on a body part that seems to be ailing them. That happens more infrequently with people from minority backgrounds, with black people than it does with white people. And so this entire thing right now, the the case that came out today is that the NFL is going to halt all these race norming practices and no longer have that be a part of how they evaluate people for these cognitive issues and the former players trying to get settlements from, from concussions and get post-career benefits from some of the neurological problems that they've developed. The NFL is getting rid of race norming as a part of that, which I think is certainly a great move, but There are a lot of players over the last few years here who have been denied benefits based off of these race norming guidelines that were already within the system that will now have the ability to try and appeal the the way that their case was handled or adjudicated before. And so hopefully this will end up leading to a lot of black players who were pursuing the same types of benefits that were available to, to them and to white players, but the path towards those benefits and the approval process for those benefits was just more difficult for black players than it was for white players. So hopefully my brethren out there who, you know, I certainly feel like my eggs are maybe a little bit scrambled, but as you tend to hear here on the score, wherever else, I I can at least communicate well enough. And I, at least up to this point, haven't had any cognitive issues that I, that I've felt like I needed to pursue anything along those lines, but those friends, former teammates, fellow former players, my brethren along those lines, hopefully This will make their path towards getting the care, the support that is available and is paid for, hopefully with this adjustment to the system for the National Football League. Now there will be more players who will get what is what is rightfully theirs and and what is available to them and to others. So that will be something that may come up later in my interview with Napoleon Harris. But after this time out, I'm going to talk to the state senator from the great state of Illinois, former Northwestern Wildcat, former player in the National Football League who 
is at the forefront of trying to get the state of Illinois along the same lines with what right now, I believe there's seven other states who have bills that have become laws that will be in effect by July 1st, where college athletes can profit from their name, image, and likeness, something that's been a long time coming. I'm going to talk to Napoleon Harris in just a moment here on the other side of this break about that and how it affects schools in this state and athletes all around the country. We'll do that next on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Felt like I couldn't keep showing up here on 670 to score and not addressing some things in the college sports sphere and in the Big Ten footprint that we're in here in Chicago. More of a a pro sports town, no doubt about that. But a lot of folks very passionate about their Big Ten teams and what happens in the college sports sphere. And the biggest news that's happening in the college sports world right now is that the world is shifting. The world is changing and perceptions about how things operate from an amateur standpoint are adjusting as well. And the way those things change, I was talking about awareness and and the the term woke and how that's been co-opted earlier in the show. It's just about knowing what's happening and how things affect other people. Maybe you can reshape your brain to a certain extent. One of the individuals helping society at large really reshape their brains about how things happen in the collegiate sphere, how amateur athletes should be treated and or compensated is Napoleon Harris. He is a Chicago win until Chicago wins. He is a state senator from the state of Illinois, and he is with me now on 670 The Score. Napoleon, we were all state the same exact year. If, if, I don't, if, I'm, uh, if I'm not mistaken here, man, you out of Thornton, me out of Bolingbrook, and uh, you've certainly had a path that I've followed throughout the years. You've kept doing great things. I appreciate you being with me this evening. Well, thanks, Anthony, for having me on. You you are absolutely correct, man. I was over. It's funny, I was over at my mom's house, and she has the All State picture. I think from the either Sun Times or the Tribune. Yeah, the Sun Times. Uh, yep, the big one. Uh, fr- uh, framed, man, on a wall in the basement. And you own that, my brother. We, we made we we made history together. <laughs> me, you, I think like a Hubert Boo Boo Thompson, like the biggest dude in the world. Yep. Ed Ed Duleo, Luke Buckus, <laughs> yes, uh, sir. Tim yes, Stratton sir. that played at Purdue, tight end. I mean, the list goes <laughs> on and on. <laughs> and at, at this point, man, with the way that you had your, your very successful collegiate career, career in the National Football League, and now as the, the Illinois State Representative, there are so many senator, things. You senator, do. senator, put me in the wrong chain. I'm a senator. Not senator, a excuse me. And you, nah. you worked with the NIL bill with a state rep who's uh, who's an Illini veteran, who's right. an alum from University of Illinois in Cam Buckner. But yes, the senator from the state of Illinois here. And for Napoleon, for for this particular end of of your gig, because you have to cover so many th- different things and pay attention to so many things that affect so many different lives. But this, where I've discussed it on on some other shows I've been on, where it it can be a little bit. You know, folks can get a little cynical about when politics crosses over into worrying about sports, but because of your extensive athletic career, it seems fairly obvious why 
you're passionate about this particular topic. Well, for me, Anthony, this issue wasn't really political for me. It was personal. And, and I say that with all sincerity in that I was that student athlete uh, that came to a university that came on campus and came from an underprivileged area and condition, which, which I couldn't afford certain things that other kids could afford. And when you look at uh, when you go into a campus and then when you get there, they're wearing someone else's jersey. Then when you get there and you establish yourself as a pretty good player, you see jerseys with your number on them. And you're like, man, they really like me. That's what you're saying. But you're not getting compensated for that. The university is making money off that or the, the brands that support the university are making money off that. And yet your parents are not able to even uh, get a free hamburger you know, without being an NCAA violation. And I just thought that was just something that was just unfair. And I know this has been trending this way for quite some time, but I thought now more than ever is the right time to push this envelope forward because we've had an opportunity over the years to discuss it in an open forum and, and get imp- input and feedback from uh, various different stakeholders. I think now is just the time to have a uniform policy here in the state of Illinois to make sure that college athletes can use their name, likeness, and image uh, for monetary gain. When you think about it, if I, if I was a violinist and I played violin and I was a student on campus, I can go and do concerts and do shows and get compensated for it because of that talent. And now, mind you, this is not to say that you're getting compensated for your quote-unquote football or basketball or whatever sport you play, uh, athleticism, but you as a person uh, endorses or businesses know people's worth based on their visibility, their popularity, if they're influencer, et cetera. And, and you have to consider young athletes who are in the college space that way. These young men and women have huge amounts of followers on Instagram and, and Facebook, et cetera. And when they say things, people often listen. And I think people, uh, businesses will try to help, uh, facilitate some of those uh, relationships to help those student-athletes monetize. Senator of the 15th District here in the state of Illinois, Napoleon Harris. You can find him on Twitter at Napoleon underscore Harris. He's with me on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. And so with the way that the state of California kind of kicked things off a couple of years ago, it feels like some sort of a federal law has still been kind of slow to take place, even though there seems to be a lot of bipartisan support to make this happen. So in the end, why, why did you find it important to make sure something happened for the state of Illinois, regardless of whether or not the federal government perhaps put something, you know, a, a national guideline in place? Okay. Well, like I said before, I thought it was important because you have multiple states and California in particular was the first to uh, kick it off. And I actually introduced the bill, I believe a year and a half ago as well, that stalled out and didn't, didn't move. But the the real impetus of it is this. When you think about the way that California framed their work, and if if California was going to be the only state that allowed it from a a national perspective, if you were, if you've been a parent and you had a child that was looking to go and play sports, where would you go? You would go to California because that they have an advantage because their student athletes there can make uh, money off of their name, image, and likeness. So I thought it was important to Illinois to capture some of these great athletes that we have here in our state and attract other athletes as well to come here and play uh, their respective sports in Illinois. And I think our law is tight enough in the, in the instance where you're able to uh, monetize by having healthy contracts. But at the same time, 
it doesn't put the student athlete in the space of an employee and it doesn't violate any um, Big Ten or whatever conference, it doesn't violate any conference rule or NCAA violation. And there's a there's a level of compliance as well with the schools to being able to check in to make sure that whatever contract you get involved with, it has to be posted on record for public uh, notice. So I think those are some good guidelines in place to help protect the student-athletes and to keep them in compliance. Some of the the items that have made news with some of the other states that have put that have you know legalized essentially name, image, and likeness, or will be you know going into effect here in the coming months. Like Georgia has some version of theirs where it's going to you know sort of force a revenue split uh, apparently from the athletes who who are able to profit from their NIL. There, uh, the state of Ohio has a few guidelines that that are in place that would you know sort of say that you can't advertise for for guns or for casinos things of that effect are there things along those lines that that might you know sort of have some some checkpoints in place for student athletes in the state of illinois yes we have uh, some similar language uh when, when you look at all the bills i think all bills have some similar parameters and making sure that student athletes are able to do it first and foremost to make it legal to do it but I think along those same lines, you want to protect the student athletes from industries that uh, could bring potentially uh, an imaging problem to the university as well, because they've done uh, many years of building up reputation, and you don't want one bad ad to ruin a reputation or associate uh, the reputation of a university or, or an institution of higher learning with that. And some of those things that you just mentioned was that we uh, – said that you can't license an endorsement deal for would be something anything to do with gambling, uh sports betting, anything with controlled substance, cannabis, tobacco and alcohol companies, uh anything dealing with the adult uh, entertainment industry or the performance enhancing supplements. Uh we believe that these products are really off basis as it relates to the student athlete for them to be involved and engaged to bring any type of imagery issues that it may that may persist if getting involved in the contract with them and them and a per se post-secondary uh, university. So those are a few things. As far as the revenue splitting, and thing, uh, we didn't take it that far. Uh, we just believe that uh, the revenue that you earn and monetize on should be solely something that's agreed upon by you, uh, the, meaning the person that's involved in, in the exchange and the business or entity that wants to contractually, uh, that wants to put a contractual obligation with you. Uh, one One caveat to this is that this this uh, bill allows for that student athlete to hire legal representation. And we believe that's so important because we don't want young student athletes who never had an opportunity to look at contracts to get uh, duped or to get uh, used in a situation where someone could just put anything in front of their face and they sign it and then come to find out they're working for them and, and, and instead of the other way around. So this is an opportunity for now they're able to hire uh, representation in the form of an agent to represent them in that contractual space and it'd be legal without them uh, losing any eligibility. As you were putting the, the parameters together for the bill, have you, have you been in communication with your alma mater, Northwestern, and just getting any, any thoughts about how they, you know, feel like things should maybe be shaped? Well, early on during last year's negotiations, uh, we've had, I've had conversations with them. And I know uh, now with the, with the reshuffling of the deck, so to speak, with the athletic director, I haven't had any uh, immediate contact, but I know that they've been supportive overall, a part of the coalition of uh, athletic directors that have signed on uh, to this bill. And so that gives me good reassurances that they are in support. 
you know, of the bill. Like, as of right now, when I'm talking about Illinois schools in particular, I know Bradley, Chicago State, DePaul, Eastern Illinois, University of Illinois, uh, Chicago, Illinois State, or Illinois Urbana, Loyola, Northern, Northwestern, Southern, and Western Illinois have all joined the bill as proponents, and they, they support the premise and the parameters in which the bill is laid out. So that's that's encouraging and reassuring at the same time. And I know part of the, the talks was that university is going to they're going to start having seminars with their student athletes about uh, how to prepare for a name, image, and likeness, and maybe some of the roadblocks and stumbling blocks. Just to have uh, it's an education, you know, it's something new that's that's is that hasn't been done before, and they want to make sure that these young people are equipped with enough knowledge to make some sound decisions and the choices that they make and who they choose to contract with to monetize their image. And I saw that the University of Illinois, they announced they have a partnership with Open Doors, who has been working mm-hmm. with you know, student-athletes to, to try and figure out, specifically through their social media following, how they can begin to monetize things. And, and I think one of the, the points in, in this, this pursuit that folks tend to miss is that it's not just the revenue generating sports, not just football and men's and women's basketball, but really the athletes in what might be considered Olympic or non-revenue sports could have as big an opportunity as anyone to really take advantage of this becoming law, right? And that's what's so great about it, that it doesn't just uh, put into buckets of just the revenue generating sports. As we know, football and basket, uh, football and men's basketball are the, uh, respectively the number one and number two sports in most universities, but all sports, so whether that's soccer, field hockey, tennis, lacrosse, uh, track and field, you name it. I think anyone uh, who anyone who plays sports as a student athlete at any university would have an opportunity to use their name, image, and likeness uh, to monetize. And that's important because it doesn't discriminate against any particular sport or any particular gender as in regards to who can and who can't. I think one of the things that, that people may or may not understand is that when people think about name, image, and likeness, the first thing people think about, are they going to start paying the players? And this this revenue stream is not coming from the school. It's coming from a, a business entity or a contractual obligation from an agreement that the student-athlete has engaged in. So the school is not going to, uh, at this particular instance, under this bill, is not going to have to split any revenue or not have to uh, pay players from any uh, potential earnings that's coming in through any gate. And now that's a topic for another day because we know that uh, some of these sports are generating a lot of money. And me personally, uh, I was an early proponent of of paying college athletes, especially in the uh, football and basketball spaces. But I know there's a lot of issues uh, dealing with that surrounding uh, Title IX. And I personally believe there's a way to work it out. But I think for the time being, I think this is a great start, a a great floor to start with to see how – young athletes, men and women, can uh, monetize on that. But as it relates to just paying athletes, I think that's another story for another day, but that doesn't, that's not a part of this particular piece of legislation. And as you know well, uh, obviously, your, your alma mater was one of the institutions where some of the athletes banded together and, and attempted to unionize, and a big hot topic that always tends mm-hmm. to come up is the college sports video games and the, the football game, whether or not that's going to come back. And I'm curious, does does having this, not only in the state of Illinois, but a number of other states around the country passing some form of NIL legislation with the game set to return at some point, how does that affect the way that athletes may be able to have some sort of a, a revenue share from that? Is that a factor? 
it's a huge factor. It's definitely a, a negotiation uh, piece, and it's definitely uh, something that they can use to negotiate uh, a, a, some type of payout. When you think about what Ed O'Banning, the O'Bannon brothers did uh, back in the early 90s with the lawsuit against the uh, NCAA uh, basketball and won in federal court, that really changed the landscape of how people really thought about name, likeness, and image. And I think about the times when I was at Northwestern. We played NCAA Game Breaker in college football. And, yes, when you turn it on and you select Northwestern, uh, Northwestern was able to get a check and was able to monetize from a university standpoint. But when you look at it, it doesn't have Harris, but it had number eight. It had my weight, my size, and the previous year's stats. (laughs) And the same with the other players who played alongside me. They had our stats and our likeness. It, it, It had the body type was like mine, the body type was like my teammates who played alongside me. And to me, we felt that that was unfair, but we recognized that it was us, you know. Uh, so I think now with the games set to come back and, th- and these parameters put in place, I think they may slow play it, depending on who signs the EA Sports or the likes, whoever they sell the naming rights to. I think that they'll look at all those options and see how they go about it, if they're going to utilize the image, because the court case already said that they have that. They have the groundwork to say that hey, if you use the stats, the numbers, and all this, that that is their likeness. So they would have to pay something to those to those student athletes if using their same data. Senator from the great state of Illinois, Napoleon Harris, being very generous with his time this evening. One, one last thing, I'm just curious what you see Napoleon as sort of the the next threshold that folks could look towards in July first. Uh, assuming because the, the next step is Governor Pritzker needs to sign it into law, right? And then it's official. So will July 2nd mean that we, we may see like Northwestern's running back on a, on a car commercial, you know, just outside of Evanston somewhere? Well, uh, to be honest, you could see it July 1st. I mean, July hmm. 1st is the, is the effective date. Governor Pritzker said he definitely supports the measure and intends on signing the bill. It would go into effect July 1st. I don't per se, uh, as that soon of a measure that automatically you're going to see someone on there because that would mean that they would have to had already shot the commercial and filmed it and everything else. <laughs> and as of today, it's still illegal to do technically. So I could definitely see a uh, start of the season of companies trying to be the first to uh, reach the market. So I, you could, you could see uh, maybe a car dealer or a restaurant, a local restaurant in town, wherever. I mean, you could look at Champagne. Champagne is a college town. Someone at the University of Illinois could easily have billboards up uh, monetizing off um, a student athlete for a, a restaurant or anything like that. So I mean, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be interesting when it first starts out because I think all the universities are going to be, A, trying to make sure that they're in compliance and, and following the guidelines of the bill. But more importantly, I think the student-athletes are going to be just as eager to say, hey, I was the first one in Illinois to do it. <laughs> so I think that people are going to be uh, rushing out the block, so to speak, to try to find that first deal uh, so they can say claim to be the first. And maybe even something just as simple as an autograph signing or a football exactly. camp. Exactly. The world is their oyster. Outstanding work, man. I, I've been – Really, really pleased to see this been picking up steam around the country and here in the state of Illinois. You made it happen. So congratulations to you that this will become law and appreciate your efforts, man. Let's continue to cover it as things develop. All right. Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate you having me on, brother. 
That is Napoleon Harris, Senator of the 15th District here in the state of Illinois, multiple-time All-Big Ten football player at Northwestern, nearly a decade in the National Football League and still doing great work in his post-career endeavors. I'm curious, for those of you out there, and I would imagine that, uh, that Adam Studzinski and Cesar Perez may, may be a part of the, the ilk that play a lot of sports, video games, but there's a whole generation of folks who never got to play any of the EA sports, college football games, or college basketball games, or any of that stuff. It's supposed to be coming back sometime soon. I'm curious. I'm going to pick your brains about that. And you can feel free to give me a call if you would like to discuss what you just heard from Napoleon Harris about this bill coming into fruition. Would it bother you at all as these games return to no? Because there are a lot of folks who are still very sensitive and worked up about the notion that college athletes will be able to profit in this manner. Will it bother you? If the college sports games return and you know that athletes are going to get cut a check, if, if it gets to that point, I'm curious to hear from you. 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. Give me a call to discuss name, image, and likeness, college athletics, studs, Perez. i hear from you guys on that too because I'm not that much of a gamer, but just like Napoleon was talking about, I was there playing the games when I was on it. University of Iowa, number 99, 63270. I was on the game. I didn't see a check from that. What say you out there about athletes profiting from their name, image, and likeness? It will be a law in the state of Illinois less than a month from now. We'll discuss that next year on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Working our way into the evening here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score just had a very detailed, a very meaty, a very carnivorous discussion about name, image, and likeness with Napoleon Harris, senator from the state of Illinois, representing the 15th district. Uh, I believe if I got that terminology correctly, that's the terminology I butchered when I was trying to uh, do one of the resets there. But the topic of NIL is one that because folks don't pay close attention to it, a lot of it is still misunderstood at this point. And one of the things that Napoleon was pointing out there was the fact that this money isn't coming directly from institutions. So this won't be University of Illinois you know, paying their starting quarterback. This won't be Northwestern paying their starting linebacker. This will be just allowing the opportunity for the student-athletes, and not just the football players, student-athletes in any of the varsity sports to, to have it be now legal for them to go out and profit from someone who thinks they're awesome, who, who would like them to be a representative of their brand, or frankly, just someone who's going to say, like, if these athletes wanted to have a camp, have a football camp, have a basketball camp, have a field hockey camp, you name it, to go out and say, I'm hosting this camp, and I can now have the opportunity to build some revenue because of the brand that I have associated with the success to either get to this point as a student athlete at this institution or because I've become great at the institution itself. Folks want my autograph and they're willing to pay for it. Great. Folks want to come to this camp and and get my tutelage for, for my craft. That's great. The interesting thing is like, like uh, Napoleon and I were discussing a moment ago, the video game, like the the old EA sports college football game or, or some of the college basketball games that used to be there. It was because of the Ed O'Bannon case where those went away because none of us were, were getting, you know, any profits and even the National Football League, you got, you know, professionals making vast sums of money. Part of the revenue sharing that comes from, you know, whether you're talking the NFL, the NBA, you name it, 
But there's revenue sharing checks that go to the athletes, the professional athletes in all those sports associated with the apparel that gets sold, whether the individual player's name is on like no one ever bought an Anthony Heron jersey in the National Football League, but I was an NFL player and it was collectively bargained by the players with the league that I was one of the however many thousands of players in the NFL that got a revenue sharing check based off the fact that they were selling NFL jerseys with, you know, fanatics and whomever else and Russell Athletic and all the other stuff and that they're video games that the NFL has sponsorship deals with. And, of course, all the television revenue that comes in as well. So from a college sports perspective, just like in the pros, you you hear people talk about how college athletes are just a part of the machine and part of the cycle. And, yeah, the institution is boosting their brand and the school's already there and the conference is already there. And so, you know, it's not just about the athlete and, you know, all these athletes who think they're a big deal and show up. And, you know, the case that some folks would make is that the fact that the athletes are there getting their brand boosted by the school and they're on a full scholarship and they should just sort of shut up and accept that. I mean, honestly, you can make a very similar case at the professional level as well. It's not like the NFL didn't exist before Tom Brady and won't exist, you know, a decade from now after he retires. NFL is going to be fine on both sides of that, but Tom Brady is currently ACOG in the National Football League. Patrick Mahomes is currently ACOG in the National Football League continuing to boost his popularity, continuing to be a reason that folks tune in and enjoy that product. And so while they are currently a cog in that, then they share in the revenue generated from that in addition to their salary. So I've never been one to try and make the case that the scholarship is nothing or it's worthless or that they don't get compensated in any way. Yes, there is already a compensatory arrangement in place between the schools and the athletes. The case I make is that it should go beyond what it currently is. Now, NIL would really have nothing to do with that. It would just be allowing the student-athletes to go out and say, if you think I'm awesome, you want to pay me for my brand, for my name, image, or likeness, then sure, put a picture of mine up on your billboard outside your restaurant and pay me for it. Or if you want me to show up for an autograph signing and split some revenues for people willing to show up and pay for it, then great, let's do it. Seems very very fair to me to allow that to be the case. So 312-644-6767 is the number to give us a call here. Let's go out to the phone. Let's got Bob in Joliet. Goes by Rob uh, out in Joliet on the line right now. Rob, what's happening? You got Anthony Heron. Uh, not much. I was just calling about the arrangements about the college football players. Mm-hmm. And I agree with the last caller that said, uh, they shouldn't be played, paid for games because a lot of the players are on scholarships and that should be payment for the games. And on top of it, they have to get the grades. So between getting the education and getting to play in the games where the college makes revenue, that's, I consider that as payment. You know what I'm saying? I do, but but the the point I was just making, Bob, is that it it is payment, but I, I don't I don't get why that would mean that it's the only compensation that athletes should be allowed. You know, like I was just describing with professional athletes, they get a salary from the team, but then they also can continue to make additional revenue aside from that salary. So if the scholarship, if you view that as payment, great, it is payment. 
it's the same scholarship I was getting 20 years ago, same scholarship guys older than me were getting decades before that, while everybody else profits more and more on an annual basis. So why just limit the athletes to the scholarship? Well, I understand what you're saying. Um, they shouldn't be limited to just the scholarship. They should, if they're, if they're in a video game, like you said, they should be get rights to the video games. So they should be paid for the video games. If they're signing uh, autographs, I agree with you. They should get paid. Those functions okay. outside of school, they should get paid for. If they're making, you know, going to a bar because the bar wants them to be there so they can bring in crowds, they should get paid. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page. I appreciate the call, man. 312-644-6767. I haven't asked Studs or Caesar yet about their, their video game predilections, if they are gamers or not. I'm going to take a time out. I do want to keep this discussion going here because we, we have had some uh, some comments in the text stream and we had the caller on the line there. But I want to hear directly from, from Studs and from Caesar about where they fall in this uh, in this discussion and whether or not I feel like I know they're both younger than me, and I'm wondering if their demographic necessarily would have any issue at all if the game returns with the athletes getting paid for it, how they would feel about that. So I want to hear from them. I also want to hear from you, 312-644-6767. A few minutes away from some baseball discussion as well as we're going to have Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio talking about these hot Chicago Cubs, these first-place Chicago White Sox, the L Series or whatever it's going to be called when they meet in the World Series this season. What is going on in the baseball world? We're going to get to that discussion in just a few minutes. But I want to keep this one rolling because I don't think it's one that you hear in the Chicago area know very much or hear very much about related to name, image, and likeness. We'll keep that going here on the other side of this timeout. This is The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.